folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind, when you want to hit the reset button. Reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Before we get into the show, want to make a cool announcement about our new sponsor, Scout Logistics. So I'll have more in the show about Scout Logistics and what they do, but I'm really excited that this came together. They were listeners of the show and reached out and said, how can we jump on board and be a part of Purple Insider? And I will never cease to be amazed by the reach of this show and how many people reach out to me from places all over the world, whether it's with a Vikings question or something like this. How can we sponsor your show? And I just think that's the most fun part of doing this. And I wanted to mention that if you have a business, you're listening or you're in the marketing realm, and want to do the same, please let me know. You can shoot me a message on Twitter at Matthew Collar. My DMs are open or you can email me purpleinsiderads at gmail.com and we can connect. Also, listeners to the show, make sure that you are supporting the people and the businesses that support us. And, uh, you know, that includes Soda Stick, who has been here from the beginning. So make sure you're going to sodastick.com and checking out all of their great apparel, getting behind the great sponsors that I have. So anyway, just wanted to mention that. Let's get in to the show and talk some football. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider presented by Scout Logistics. Matthew Collar here along with Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune. Andrew, I got something fun for you today. How are you? I'm doing well. Always good to be on with you, Matt. Uh, I've got five things that people constantly, and I appreciate it, tweet me or leave in the comments section that Vikings fans want for this offseason and that I don't think any will happen, but I want you to talk about each one, what their odds are of happening and whether it makes sense. Okay, okay. so that's okay. that's today's game. And I have to start out with trading Kirk Cousins because my mentions since the Matt Stafford for Jared Goff trade have been nothing but, hey, what if the Vikings did this to trade Kirk Cousins? And then there's a rumor from some complete rando who also has a lot of tweets about the Indiana Pacers saying that sounds legit to me uh, that uh, the 49ers and Vikings are, are there's something, you know, percolating there. And the 49ers are still interested in, in cousins, which, you know, they also have a front office and a cap guy. So I'm not sure that that's really something that could happen, but trading cousins is the topic du jour for Vikings fans. So your thoughts on the odds that it happens and whether it would make sense if it happened. 
yeah, I think they obviously hear the noise. They obviously know that there's a lot of people out there who think Cousins isn't the answer. Um, I think, I don't know if there's a bigger discrepancy on kind of how the NFL world um, views one guy and specifically how the Vikings view him. Um, when I say the NFL world, I guess I mean mostly outsiders, not necessarily front offices, but um, we don't hear a whole lot of anonymous GMs or scouts or players talking kindly about Kirk. I go back to the Mike Sando piece he does every offseason where he ranks, he does the, the tiers where a very connected, uh, well-connected reporter talks to front offices around the league. And Cousins continually comes in at that kind of mediocrity, middle of, of the road, not really one of the guys that you kind of put your chips all in on the way that the Vikings have. With that said, um, the Vikings need to show in any way, shape, or form that they've come off that position. And I haven't seen it. I haven't heard it, um, whether off the record or on the record talking to people. We haven't even seen it from uh, one of these national insiders or just you know people that hand down information. We haven't even seen it from one of them. We've just seen speculation from pro football talk and some other places about, hey, this might happen. This is how it might happen. Um, we heard that last year, too, from the same places, and the Vikings still stood by this guy, and they, and they gave him more money. They, they signed him to a contract extension a couple months later. Um, I think this one is unrealistic, as you'd mentioned off the top, just because we know how the front office feels about Kirk Cousins. We know the guy who signed him to the first mega deal in Rick Spielman, and to move on from him would not only be ad admitting that you made the wrong move a few years ago, uh, but then to do it for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who you'd presumably have to take on in such a deal, because why would the 49ers keep a couple of these quarterbacks? Um, I just don't see it happening. And it comes down to, to Mike Zimmer. The last time we heard Mike Zimmer speak, I had asked him about continuity with the offensive coordinator if Gary Kubiak were to retire. And he had said, what we have to do is match the offense to what the quarterback does. And right. he's talking about 2021. And he's saying Kirk Cousins does X, Y, and Z, what we're doing he does this well, and we're not going to change it because of that. Um, that, to me, says they have no intention of moving on from Kirk. This is all noise. It's all fun noise. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's a lot of fun to envision these things and how you or I might want to do it. But I think you or I both know how the Vikings actually feel about it, and I just don't see it happening. So percent chance, I would say 5% because, you know, surely anything's possible, as Kevin Garnett said. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, you know, I was thinking about there will be a team, though, who gets left out of the quarterback party. And whoever that team is, I mean, then you're starting to look at, oh, is it uh, Mariota or is it Fitzpatrick or is it, you know, Jameis Winston, which everybody seems to think that the NFL likes Jameis Winston as much as they do. I don't get that. You talk about internet perception versus reality. The guy threw 30 picks. He's not starting in the NFL unless someone gets super, super desperate. There's a reason why he got paid like 800K to be a backup last year. Um, whatever it was, a million dollars. Like yeah. he's not good. That's why. Cause he throws interceptions constantly. And um, I'm also certain there is a, a price for his character as well, or concerns about his character as well. But if you're the team, let's say you're Indianapolis and you're like, we're going to get our quarterback. We can't wait to fill this. Oh no, all the quarterbacks are gone. And they say, well, man, we better send a first round pick to the Vikings for cousins or I, 
that's the only scenario I could see where they even get phone calls about Kirk Cousins. And even then that one's hard to work out because Zimmer wants to win in 2021. So is he going to take on Marcus Mariota or Ryan Fitzpatrick or whoever, you know, Gardner Minshew, like, is he going to do that after Cousins just had a PFF, I think 10th ranked year and eighth in quarterback rating. Like I think that Mike Zimmer probably has come around maybe a little bit on cousins and looks at it much more of it was the defense and we've got to stack up the defense. It wasn't the quarterback that cost us last year, even though, you know, that's kind of like your whole franchise direction is based on who's playing quarterback for you. Yeah, it's really easy, right, to talk yourself into, if you're the Vikings, it's so easy to talk yourself into, boy, if we had just converted a fourth down in Seattle, we're in the playoffs. Everything's fine. Who knows then what happens when we get in the playoffs? Forgetting that you would probably look much like Chicago did in this year's playoffs or like you did in New Orleans when you got run out of the building in December. Um, This team at the end of the season certainly just wasn't built to compete. Didn't matter if the defense was going to have a couple starters there or not. They were still going to be missing the kind of contributors that they needed. Um, I also hear a lot about at least people talking about how the Stafford trade may have affected some kind of market for Kirk Cousins. Um, I don't see that happening. Let's say we fall into a situation where it is the Colts or it's one of these desperate teams that's, you know, trying to acquire Kirk. I'm looking at that Stafford trade as an, as an opposing front office and saying, look, that's not even necessarily on our scale because that was like an NBA trade. They are paying to acquire a bad contract. They're doing like what the Browns did with Brock Osweiler Jared Goff is not viewed as a good quarterback by most people that watch football. Matthew Stafford is very much considered a very good quarterback. And for some reason, people think that they're on like the same plane, that it was like a swap and that Stafford went for two picks. Any Cousins trade that's involving just picks would not then net two firsts just because Stafford got two firsts. Like you said, it would probably be more of a first. And then are the Vikings going to want to do that? As you said, rebuild, start over, admit that they were wrong on this decision and that admit that they're in a rebuild on this end. I just don't see it. Everything they've said publicly, everything we hear behind the scenes about where this franchise is headed, they think they can rebuild on the fly with the talent they have on offense. And that includes Kirk Cousins. And, and unless you're talking about an obvious and immediate upgrade, Jimmy Garoppolo, I would say if they came with some ridiculous offer, like Jimmy Garoppolo and a first, Okay, great. But they didn't offer Detroit that for Matt Stafford. And it sounds like from Albert Breer's report that didn't get anywhere on in terms of a discussion. So if they're not going to give up high draft capital, and as you mentioned, the two firsts is not the price also for Kirk Cousins. I would say it's more like a second round pick that someone would be willing to give up for Kirk Cousins because of his contract. Stafford's contract is very favorable. He's expensive right now, but you could just, if it doesn't work next year and the Rams say, oh, we've got to blow it up. We went all in and it didn't work. Well, then they could just move on and they could draft someone else or, you know, sign someone else that they want to. And, you know, that's not the case with Cousins where you pretty much, if you are acquiring him, he's guaranteed a lot of money and you have to very likely extend him to lower that cap hit for 2022 because it's 45 million right now. It's just that, that that's not something you're giving up two first round picks for, or even a single first round pick. I would think um, more, it would more so be the Vikings moving on from him. If they were going to chase somebody else, which, you know, I, I Deshaun Watson's name comes up. I still can't make that fit in any way, shape or form with a potential trade. And so if you're not immediately upgrading, getting a better quarterback right now for this year, 
then they're not doing it. They're not going to do it to draft Trey Lance or to draft Mac Jones or something like that, because that's not where the head coach and the general manager or the ownership thinks that this team is at. Yeah. And the Deshaun Watson thing too. We're talking about the guy who's obviously an anomaly in this quarterback market. There are a lot of options that could be available. Matt Ryan, maybe even Dak Prescott somehow who might be the next option closest to Deshaun. Um, but most of them are these bridge type quarterbacks that the Vikings already feel like they don't feel like they have one. They feel like they have their kind of veteran answer, but that's just how all these other guys would be viewed alongside Kirk Cousins. So is there really an upgrade that you could go out there and get uh, one that would be worth kind of taking on the financial hit to move on from Kirk? Is that Matt Ryan? Is that Gardner Minshew who's going to be another Ryan Fitzpatrick style quarterback for the rest right. of his career? Um, I just don't see it right now in terms of their options. I think they realize and, and probably think, the same that they thought earlier in January, which is that Kirk Cousins in 2021 is going to be the answer. And then the thing that people don't, I think, get with the Deshaun Watson thing is that he has to, he gets to basically choose where he wants to go, right? Yep. By virtue of that no trade clause, this is not a situation where the Vikings can just offer the best package and that means it's going to get it done. Deshaun can just slap a veto on it and say, nope, I don't want to go to Minnesota. I don't mm -hmm. want to play for Mike Zimmer. I don't want to do this X, Y, or Z, whatever reason he could have for not wanting to be here um, or just, I just want to be in Miami or new Orleans, or he could just kind of funnel the offers in from where he wants to. Speaking of NBA style trades, this is another kind of similar deal where like the player seems to have quite a bit of power. Yes. Especially when the owner has miffed up the situation so badly that he's already leaking out to, it seems he's already leaking out to people what the trade package would have to be to acquire him and all these things, and the GM's like, we're not going to move him. It's just, the whole thing is just being mismanaged entirely. And in the end, I feel like the only one truly with a grip on the situation seems to be Deshaun Watson. We're not going to move the player, I think the general manager said. He did not say Deshaun Watson. I don't know, like, is this, yeah. like, are you trying not to tamper with yourself? I don't know, like, what? That was weird. Um, but you're right about that. And I would also add this to it is if you're Deshaun Watson, you've got the internet clearly, and you've probably noticed that the Vikings traded away their top receiver because they wouldn't pass the ball enough. And that their uh, pro bowl tight end recently did a long podcast interview where he was upset that they didn't pass the ball enough. Maybe that's not a place that you say, I definitely want to go there. And uh, you know what? I, I hate to say this because I love this state. You love this state. But to somebody who grew up in Texas, maybe they don't say, you know, where I really want to play is in those cold winters of Minnesota. So like all those things make the odds of Deshaun Watson almost zero to me, if not zero. Um, but we need to address the other part of this. Is it a good idea? Because the actual odds, we just laid out all the reasons that it's very low. But I would still argue if you were living in true reality about where you stand in the NFL right now as the Minnesota Vikings, their Vegas odds are 16th to win the Super Bowl next year. Mid-pack, that's exactly where you are and where Vegas thinks you are, and they make money. So they you know, generally have a feel for these things. Um, if you're 16th, you got to figure out a way to not be 16th in the NFL. So how are you going to do that? cap space, rebuilding your defense, having a quarterback on a rookie contract, like all these things, they all make a lot of sense when it comes to this. I think what it really comes down to is the, the job security of the people in charge would make you think, well, there's no way then because 
they're not going remember when Philadelphia drafted Wentz like they were in kind of it looked like oh we're gonna you know have Sam Bradford and go eight and eight or something and they said you know better idea to just take a step back before taking a step forward they went something like seven and nine and then the very next year they're in the Super Bowl if the Vikings had a hundred percent job security for Spielman and Zimmer I wonder how this conversation would be different that's a great point because, yeah, if you didn't have to worry about, okay, let's go make a run at another rookie quarterback, see if this works out. And if you didn't think that you had to stake your entire well-being, your, your family's kind of financial well-being and in, in history right now, just kind of on that decision. Um, seeing as the last time they did it, it was Teddy Bridgewater. The time before that for this GM, it was Christian Ponder. For one reason or another, it just hasn't gone very well. And I can imagine why you would be a little shy and hesitant to make that leap, especially when, again, this offense wasn't entirely bad. It just got off to such a horrific start with your quarterback that you have staked all this money on and put everything into this basket, um, making, what, 10 turnovers in that one and five start? Um, Yeah, I I do think that if they had that job security and if you get them in an honest moment, maybe they'd admit to you that, yeah, we might actually make this kind of change. But I do believe, though, that they believe in Kirk Cousins in a sense that they've at least talked themselves into it and that his play through January of 2020 when he beat New Orleans in overtime all the way through the end of this season, even though it started horribly for him, I think they found a way to kind of convince themselves through all these decisions that he's going to be the guy. And so I think that's why it comes down to it. But if I was running the organization, yeah, I would very much try to move up for a guy in the draft. I would, because they've got so many draft picks right now, so much capital accrued. And I understand that when you're paying a quarterback this much, you need draft picks. It's just maybe what I do preferably is not pay a quarterback that much and just use the draft picks to go get the quarterback you want. Hey, I want to take a second to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics. And I really mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics. And they reached out wanting to support this show. And I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for perishable, non-perishable, and fragile freight from source to door. And if you're wondering what that means exactly, well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they're the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They could ship perishable, non-perishable, oversized, or fragile goods, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855-217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk, overperform, and go the extra mile for your company. Right. From a philosophical standpoint, it does make a lot of sense. So if you're talking about it with your friends at the water cooler or I guess via Zoom call now, if you're not having a place where that has a water cooler, um, it may, you're not wrong. It's just that it's probably not going to happen. So, all right. Now, let me move on to another one since we're already on the topic of quarterback uh, that is on my list of five things that fans are talking about, but you know, we got to put odds on whether they happen is drafting a quarterback. So I'm watching the senior bowl as one does, and I'm watching Jamie Newman and Kellen Mond and, uh, and Ian book. And I'm thinking to myself, 
you know, mid-round quarterback when you have a couple of third-round draft picks and a situation that you could kind of half put one foot in and not have another foot in there. And you can say to the public, oh, Kellen Mond, we needed a cheap backup. So that's what he is. And we always want to have a developmental quarterback like Taylor Heineke once upon a time. Like you could sort of slow play a high, you know, decently high ceiling draft pick quarterback in the third or fourth round without saying, oh yeah, this is our next guy after Kirk leaves. I think it is realistic for drafting a quarterback, just not high. Really? I guess before I answer, why do you think it's realistic? I think it's realistic because of how like his contract goes through 2022. And if they go seven and nine again next year, they can't be saying, oh yeah, this is it. We're all set. And it just kind of aligns for the Cousins is the quarterback. You got the developmental guy after him and that kind of Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith type of situation. It sort of looks that way on its surface. Um, But I also think that they would not spend a first round pick on a quarterback with Mike Zimmer needing so many things on defense. So there could be like a compromise there of, Hey, we need to think about the future of this position. Sorry, I just slapped my shades with my hand, just too much football. Um, and, uh, you know, so like a compromise of like, we need someone yeah. to be looking forward to and, and, and training to be that guy, but also we can't really go all in because then that becomes the storyline of 2021. Yeah, I think this decision might, in, in this, this prop bet that we're making here or putting the percentage on it anyway, we might know that by March, because if they re-sign Sean Mannion, They've got Jake Browning under contract. They've got Nate Stanley under contract, two basically undrafted free agents. Um, I think we know that those are the four they're going to go in with. I think we know they're not going to draft a quarterback then. The question is, if they go through free agency through March and they didn't sign anybody and it's just those three, I think that's really interesting. And that opens the door for the fact that they could be looking at some of these guys to come in and truly compete for the backup job. Because they said this, they say this year after year where it's going to be a competition. You know, basically before they brought in Mannion, we're going to just, you know, kind of see how it plays out and kind of have have an open job for it to try to bring along and develop those guys, whether it was a Kyle Sloter or a Taylor Heineke or a Case Keenum or whomever they brought in. Um, They've tried to make sure they have a reliable backup, but that just hasn't been the case. We know it's been Sean Mannion and that everything else has just been kind of, we'll just have a body. We need a scout team arm, those kinds of things. Um, I, I have a hard time thinking that at this moment that is going to change especially with COVID-19 kind of continuing to impact the draft process the evaluation process this front office didn't take chances on quarterbacks when they had full evaluations what's to say that they're going to all of a sudden pivot from one of their basic tenants at the position of not drafting it to then pivot in an offseason where they have even less information and take an even bigger risk on drafting somebody Look, I love the fact that they could do a Dak Prescott type pick, just bring somebody in from the fourth round that was intriguing in college, and maybe they can come in and surprise you down the road and be that starter. Um, it's just not how this front office does things. And unless George Payton was the guy behind the scenes saying we're not drafting <laughs> right. quarterbacks ever, right? and now he's gone and now they're free to do it, I don't think that's the case. I think it's how Rick Spielman likes to do things with this position. And Frankly, we hear enough behind the scenes and, and some of this, you just you got to see how it plays out because you hear so much smoke and mirrors sometimes, but you hear that they like a guy like Jake Browning quite a bit. And that means that I think that they could open the door potentially for letting Sean Mannion go. Mm-hmm. And then if they drafted somebody this spring, I think it would be more of a day three pick, maybe a fourth rounder if, if the Vikings fans get what they want. 
um, and then have an actual open competition for that backup spot. We'll say Jake Browning played pretty good in that scrimmage we went to U.S. Bank Stadium for <laughs> last year. So, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not hyping up the number three quarterback. I'm just saying that he did play pretty well in that. Uh, I yeah, I've I've also gotten that sense too that they like Browning. He's clearly a backup, like not a starting caliber type of prospect. But if they moved on from Mannion, drafted a QB, kept Browning as their immediate backup, I mean, this is just not a team that's in a position to spend eight million bucks on a backup quarterback for Kirk. Cousins. It's always going to be the fact that if he gets hurt for 10 games, you're probably losing seven or more. I mean, that, that was the case with Mannion. I have a ton of respect for him as a journeyman backup. And, you know, you know how I love journeyman backups, but it's just, that's the reality is Sean Mannion cannot carry you over a large portion of the season. It's probably like a Nick Mullins where you'll probably go six and 10 if he's got to play quite a bit. So if that's the case, well, you might as well have Jake Browning where you would lose all the games and then have a better draft pick um, while you're also developing someone else. Kind of like the Packers have Tim Boyle, I think his name is, and Jordan Love. So you'd have the same thing. From a philosophical standpoint, the other part of the conversation, I mean, to me, it's almost ridiculous if they don't do it. And the reason you laid out for how tough it is it's that tough on everybody else too. So if yeah. they think, you know, whatever, oh, these are the only quarterbacks worth drafting, you might be able to get lucky on it or have a higher chance that someone drops. I mean, Jamie Newman didn't even play this year. So th- nobody knows anything about Jamie Newman except for he's got a strong arm and can run. Like, okay, why not? And, you know, Kellen Mond is kind of the same. Not He didn't opt out, but he had like a really good year in a small sample size. So there's probably questions why not take that pick? Because look what they, I mean, the fourth round picks, Jaleel Johnson, Jalen Holmes, like, were these worth it? I, I mean, I, I versus someone with even a 5% chance of becoming your future quarterback, I would say definitely, you know, that, that it philosophically makes sense. Yeah. DJ Wanham really needs to be the guy that turns around their fourth round <laughs> yes. record, because as you said, it's been pretty bad. It's been pretty bad. It has. Uh, let me move on to the next one on the list, unless you had something else to say on that. Um, I would say that that one, the percentage chance, though, to me, would be even lower than trading Kirk Cousins. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think right now they've got such a set way of doing things and wanting to fill out this roster. And with how many holes that they've got on the rest of this roster, they're going to have a bunch of guys in the fourth round or third round or whatever that they think can plug into the roster and be a linebacker, safety, whatever. Like, they'll they'll talk themselves into so many other positions at getting cheap labor. They're thinking they're set at quarterback that I just, I don't see it happening, but for your sake, I, I hope it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, for purple insider podcast sake, any of these <laughs> things will be great. Well, here's a, your opportunity to turn around cold water Kramer that keeps pouring cold water on every idea. Daniil Hunter trade. Give me your percentage chance that you think a Daniil Hunter trade happens. I think, I mean, I think I've got it at a coin flip. Tell me if you think that's different. Yeah, I think of the three, this being the third one we've talked about, I think this is the highest percentage chance just because Daniil Hunter and the way that he seemed to have gone about this um, behind the scenes, I know he was not happy with how a lot of it was dealt publicly in terms of the information that came out about his injury, um, the information that came out about just his process of seeking a surgery and deciding to get operated on. Um, he wasn't happy with a lot of that and made that known to people in the organization. And so because of that, we know, okay, he's unhappy on one end of the uh, spectrum. The other end, we know he's also been really underpaid for some time. And we haven't heard that from him. I haven't heard that from him. 
Um, but you know that it's got a way on him, right? And there was that kind of vague NFL media report that he wants to be the highest paid defender in the NFL and all this stuff. Um, I don't know if any of that's true. I can't verify that, but he's underpaid. And so that's another part of it. So underpaid, not happy with how recently things went, um, injured, coming off a really severe injury in terms of just the optics of it. I don't know the specifics, but just knowing that it's a neck, a spine, getting that fused together does not sound like it's an easy thing to come back from right. for anybody. So with all of that in play, I do think that there's enough smoke there that you could say, yeah, if, if, a, if somebody comes in, if there's a Rams type team that thinks we are a Daniil Hunter piece away, we believe that it, this defensive player of the year candidate is the guy that can take us over the top. Here's a Khalil Mack style just trade package for him. Why would you say no if you're the Vikings? Because right now this defense is not a Daniel. Maybe they disagree with me, but this defense is not a Daniel Hunter away from being one of the worst in the NFL to being back up to where you were in 2017. Right. I also right. don't think they're a Michael Pierce, a Daniel Hunter, and an Anthony Barr away. I still think you have many questions. If you've got all three of those guys back healthy, I think you're still looking at a lot of question marks on that defense. Um, and we don't know. We don't know if those injuries, those players are going to be the same when they come back. Um, there are just so many questions with it. So I think the team should be open about it. From what I've heard about Daniil and from his camp, I think they would be open about it. It's just a question of, is that a reality? Do teams want him? What would those packages be? Those are all things that we have no idea about. Want to remind you about our friends at Soda Stick. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping at sodastick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. There's so many great designs, including Chuck Foreman Spin Doctor shirts, Skull Hats, Straight Cash Homie shirts, and much, much more. And if you are a hockey fan with that getting going soon or a basketball fan, make sure you check out all sorts of great designs. Their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on Super Soft super comfy shirts and hoodies you will love it that's sodastick.com s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping so i pitched to courtney cronin on another podcast two draft picks from the jets number 34 and 87 i think they were and she liked that trade idea but listeners did not uh, uh the feedback that i got on that one was are you crazy they should be looking for a khalil mack type package but you laid it out there khalil mack did not have any type of severe injury that kept him out for an entire year that he's going to spend this entire offseason rehabbing and we think of daniel hunter as superman and my gosh we've watched him get what you know 29 sacks or something the last two years that he's played i mean he's an unbelievable player but that lowers the value the new contract requirement it lowers the value and it makes it harder so even though defensive players like um, jamal adams and like khalil mack are bringing a lot on the trade market I'm also thinking that some other teams look at those trades and go, but did it really work out for Seattle? But did it really work out for Chicago? I mean, Seattle still had a bad defense. Chicago can't afford things like, is that really a great idea? And so, yeah, there's always a team that might be interested, but I'm not sure you can get as much as they would want to get, or especially in public that would look like if you traded him for a second and a third, I mean, I think that the fan base would lose their mind. And you also have to consider that too. If you're making trades of like, how is this going to look? Even if it, it opens up a ton of cap space and gets you more draft picks that could potentially make a difference. 
Yeah, if I'm if I'm the Vikings, I scoff at that kind of deal too. Because I mean, Jalen Ramsey went for two firsts and a fourth, and the Rams had to pay him. The Rams right. then had to right. back up the truck to pay him. So that was kind of a similar situation where it was a healthier player, obviously, but star caliber guy you've had to pay on that contract, similar age, all those things. I would be demanding multiple firsts, and I wouldn't be budging off that if I were the Vikings. Um, and I, I think I'd be saying everything privately and publicly that they are saying that his recovery is going well. What did yeah. Mike Zimmer say last month ahead of schedule, all these things that they yeah. say um, that's the right move, regardless of what you're trying to do with them. However, we know how stubborn to this franchise is. So that plays into it. I think their stubbornness, their history of being stubborn. This is a team that wouldn't move on in a front office that wouldn't move on from Adrian Peterson after everything that he went through in 2014, they hung on so tightly that he led the league in rushing in 2015 and then, you know, finally it took another bad year for them to finally move on from the guy. Most teams would have done that a few years ago, basically yeah. maybe after the 2014 thing. That's an example that when a guy is, is quote unquote homegrown, as they say, in terms of drafting, developing, uh, paying, as they have with Daniil, at least to some extent, um, I think they're going to be super stubborn, which means it's going to play into them only budging if somebody comes with that massive offer. And if that doesn't happen, we might never hear about any trade whiffs about the guy at all. Because they're going to just say, nope, we never wanted to move him in the first place. When, yeah, you probably would have maybe mm -hmm. if a guy had come along with two firsts and a fourth. I don't know how you don't budget that kind of offer. Because that's, that's, that's the kind of package that this front office salivates at, knowing what they could do with it. Right. It's what you want for him and you think his value is versus what someone else is willing to pay. And if I'm another team and I'm making the phone call, I'm not offering two first round picks for a defensive end, no matter how close my team is to winning. It's just... You know, I mean, even with defensive ends, there are just a lot of guys who can rush the passer, not like Daniil Hunter, but you can find them on the free agent market. You could find them in a, in a deep draft this year. All those things sort of play into there. I mean, there's got to be five, six, seven guys in the free agent market this year who are proven and, and good pass rushers. So why are you giving up that much? And if you're the Vikings, it, just like with Diggs, I don't think the Vikings were going to budge on Diggs until someone came with a first. And then when they did, they decided, okay, let's do it. Um, I think we agree that philosophically there's a, a great argument for it as good as he is um, just because like, there's a lot of pieces to go. I totally agree with, with what you said that drafting a defensive end, signing an, you know, a veteran corner or something like this, this is not a defense that can be number one next year. So if you have a chance to continue your rebuild through young players of the defense while being competitive, I think you prefer that than pouring 20, 25 million. Like, there's no way to manipulate the cap to make what Hunter wants actually work. And that's, that's going to be the biggest piece of it, right? Is the financial part of it. If the cap doesn't go down as much as people think it, it was, or that was feared, at least those are the early reports agents are talking about how, it seems like the cap, they're planning for it to be a lot higher than that 175 floor. If that's the case, then maybe you've got some room. Maybe you can redo a Harrison Smith deal. You can redo an Anthony Barr. You can redo a, a Daniil Hunter. And you can try to fit all these guys in under the roof like they continually do every offseason. Um, but the finances are going to be the big part of it. If Daniil makes a stink out of it, if he holds out, if he tries to get what he frankly deserves and, and plays hardball with it, then that's when it's going to kind of make the situation more public. But the way we see Daniil operate and the way we see the Vikings operate, I wouldn't be shocked if we see him show up to whatever voluntary OTAs they've got. He does everything he's supposed to do. He shows that he's healthy um, because he knows that if he wants out, that's his best way of getting out. 
And then frankly, the Vikings know that they like to keep all this kind of stuff quiet under wraps. They're not the kind of team that wants the drama being played out publicly, even though we knew with Stefan Diggs, it was there. Yeah. We know it's there a little bit with Daniel Hunter right now. It's just a matter of moving forward. Can they make him happy financially? And my colleague, um, I know Ben over here at the Star Tribune, he's reported that the Vikings want to do everything they can financially to make Daniel happy. And if that's mm -hmm. the case, if they truly can back that up, then I think it's going to be all right. Because Mike Zimmer might be the hardest one to convince to make that trade. Just knowing the kind of pride that not only he, but Andre Patterson take in developing a guy like that. Mm -hmm. And then also the perfect fit that Daniel is personality wise for the locker room, for the yes. team. I just, I think they think this guy is a future hall of famer in purple only. And that's kind of the way they would want it. Um, so I guess that's, that's my closing argument for it. But then again, if there was some massive package, uh, for Daniel Hunter, why not consider it? So I think that's got the highest percentage chance. I'd say maybe 30% chance. Yeah, for me, you won't find too many better players in the league, but it's just about the value and where you stand as a franchise. Like if he comes back and he gets you 12 sacks next year and you go eight and eight because your roster isn't strong enough, like, was it worth it? Um, and this, this kind of happens to them a lot where you do some things and you go, was it worth it to sign Cousins to an extension so you could sign Michael Pierce? Like, I mean, it didn't, it looked like there was going to have to be a lot of changes. And then there wasn't, um, it, you know, at least from that aspect, there wasn't a change at quarterback and it, did it work out? Like you signed, uh, you know, Delvin cook to a long-term contract extension so far, was it worth it? Like not really. And now you're at a risk of him, you know, declining after his uh, huge, you know, workload and things like that. So I, I feel like we've asked that question a number of times, Anthony Barr. Oh, you got him back from the jets. What a great day that was. Was it worth it? And so far the answer is no, it hasn't been. I'm just going to put the number four and five together with each other. Cause they relate uh, drafting slash signing a wide receiver slash changing offensive philosophy to build more around Kirk cousins give me your percentage chance that those things are a possible reality. Cause you're talking about if they were to invest in a third wide receiver, that would be just such a kind of deviation from where they're at now offensively in terms of the multiple tight end sets, um, fullback, um, multiple backfields, all that kind of stuff, the heavy personnel to run and then set up the pass as everybody knows. Um, that's not, I don't think that's going anywhere. I think we've heard Mike Zimmer say that's not going anywhere. Um, now, one of the candidates for the OC job, um, who was a Giants wide receivers coach, Tyke Tolbert, um, he's a Kubiak guy. So it sounds like even if they brought him in and wanted to hire him, it doesn't sound like that's going to go anywhere either because of the continuity is still a priority. Um, so I think this falls in with the Cousins trade, the drafting, the quarterback thing. I just think it's one of the lower probabilities of these things maybe 10% just because they don't have a lot of depth right now. Um, but I think if Gary Kubiak left one thing and left one strong impression on Mike Zimmer, it's kind of solidifying the way he wanted things done on offense. It was yep. giving him this blueprint, this vision for, Hey, you, you knew you wanted these abstract things. Here's the design of how you can get it done. And I think Mike Zimmer's going to hold on to that, especially when it results in, I know it's, it's just a, a volume stat, but when it results in the fourth ranked offense or something like that in terms of yardage, it just shows the potential of what they have and that what they can go out there on a Sunday and do. And Mike Zimmer, I think, is not going to let go of that. So with that said, I, I think you're going to see a, a similar um, offense. And I think you're going to see 
wide receiver not really get a bunch of uh, resources because they're going to stick with Jefferson and Thielen for quite a while. Like I agree with Zimmer that this is the right way to run your offense. But I also think that if you have Chad Beebe as your answer to Justin Jefferson tweaking an ankle, like you're in a bad spot. And also if you're running on second down and 10, like this is not something that any of the teams who are running this offense with at the utmost efficiency are really doing on a regular basis. And I think about 2019 San Francisco 49ers in terms of EPA and passing were fifth. I mean, they were a great passing attack and like they had a lot of weapons. I'm looking at it right now. Like George Kittle, of course, is a superstar. Debo Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders. They had uh, Tevin Coleman was a receiving running back that they added. They had Marquise Goodwin for half of that season, a guy who was like the fastest receiver in the NFL. They drafted Dante Pettis. Like he didn't work out, but they drafted another wide receiver. Um, and then, uh, you know, Debo Samuel comes in like the next year or no, no Debo Samuel was their top and he was a draft pick. So he was their top wide receiver. So like, I, I mean, and they bring Brandon Ayuk in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Brandon. Ayuk. That's what, yeah. That's what I meant. Not Debo Samuel, but Brandon, Brandon Ayuk is, is another guy that they, they just keep bringing in weapons for their quarterback, knowing that you have to work around some weaknesses. And I'm watching the senior bowl watching Amari Rogers from Clemson, who's this kind of bowling ball, like tough tackle breaking wide receiver who looks like he could also double as a running back, like a David Palmer type um, from back in the day, somebody who could do a lot of things. I think in the third round, if you get there and there's wide receivers who can make plays, you have to find someone fast. So like someone who can run under a four or five, if you could to make some plays because every third down you've seen this, double Diggs and Thielen, double you know, Jefferson and Thielen, like get, getting someone else who can make things a little easier for cousins can go from the 11th scoring offense to the eighth scoring offense. And, you know, that might be all it takes, but I feel like you, sh like Zimmer says, you can never have too many corners. You can never have too many playmakers. That's a good point too, because I, I think one thing that in my initial um, answer I overlooked is the fact that you do have offenses like um, Sean McVay in Los Angeles, where they do run a similar play action, heavy run style scheme, outside zone, all that stuff. And they do it out of 11 personnel. They do it yep. with multiple yep. wide receivers. They try to spread the field while also bringing you up to the line of scrimmage at the same time. Um, and then they go ahead and they draft a second round wide receiver in Van Jefferson, even though they've got Woods, Cup, Reynolds, all these guys that are working out, they continue to pour resources into that position too. Um, we hear Mike Zimmer so often talk about we need guys that can cover and guys that can rush the passer. Well, on the flip side, you need guys that can pass block and guys who can catch the ball. Right. And you just aren't seeing the same devotion of resources to the catching part of it outside of right. Justin Jefferson following them, you know, shipping Stefan Diggs out of town. That was a totally a necessary need pick. And the fact that this guy fell into your lap um, outside of that. Yeah. It was Diggs in the fifth round who was, who literally did fall into their lap yeah. uh, feeling undrafted. Yeah, they have not put resources into this position, at least successfully, until Justin Jefferson. And I think, I do think you're going to see Irv Smith emerge. He's not going to be a George Kittle because very few people are, but right. you're going to see him emerge in a way that I think we're going to look back and say, okay, that second round pick was the right investment for that position. Um, do they do that then with, yeah, a third or a fourth at wide receiver? Like the Steelers didn't need Chase Claypool. The Steelers didn't necessarily need that. And look what they got out of it. They got right. some pretty, some pretty good production out of it. So um, I think there's an argument there. It's it's just the question of, do you need that more than you need to replace Jaleel Johnson at, at defensive tackle? Do you need that right. more than you need to replace uh, Dakota Dozier at left guard? 
uh, and all the other needs that they've got in the trenches specifically. Um, I think that's going to stack up to it. But you lay out a good argument in the sense that, too, they can adjust this scheme in a nuanced way that allows you to get more wide receivers on the field. And maybe that helps out Kirk. So looking at the uh, 2018 Rams, since you bring them up, Robert Woods had 86 catches, Brandon Cooks had 80 catches, and Cooper Cup in only half a season had 40. And then Josh Reynolds added 29. So they had three receivers who are real good. And by the way, weird, Jared Goff just hasn't been the same since... Eh, maybe there's a connection there since they only have one receiver instead of three or two, I guess two, uh, Woods and Cup. But, you know, I mean, this has always been a thing I've wondered about. Like, this offense works in three wide receiver. Um, Stefanski used three wide receiver more than um, Kubiak did last year, probably just because Irv Smith was the best guy to have on the field in comparison. Pretty big drop off between Irv Smith and someone like Chad Beebe. So, you know, adjust to the players that you have. Um, right? I mean, that's what, that's what Pat Shermer always talked about. Well, and then we get Tyler Conklin emerging the way he did. Is that going to reinforce the direction they were already in? When, when you've got Conklin emerging like that with Irv Smith, do you envision then the future being those two guys with Jefferson and Thielen? And then, yeah, maybe that leads to them. Maybe it's kind of a um, confirmation bias thing where they just, all right, we've got the players here at tight end. We might as well just stick with that kind of philosophy. Okay. Let's wrap on this. Give me some sort of prediction. Last year, by the way, you predicted digs to the bills on my show. Yeah. No, I didn't. Did you I really? did. I swear that happened. <laughs> no, so, no. Did yes, I? you were you were on the show and you were talking about like a Diggs trade and the drama going on with him. And you said, you know, hey, a team like Buffalo would make so much sense for Diggs. It was the only team you name dropped. So you nailed it. Um, wow. How about you, don't that? Have, you don't have to do it with Vikings. I'm just curious, like this offseason is just bat bleep crazy. And so give me like your hottest prediction of what you think the next domino is to fall. Wow. Um yeah, that's 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 a big one because I think right now the quarterback stuff is huge and everybody's kind of fixated on that. Um, but we forget that like guys like I don't know JJ Watt's going to be available. Um, there are a lot of like under the radar kind of free agents and talents that are going to be out there. Um, I don't know in terms of a trade though. So you're just saying just in general, give me an NFL prediction. Go whatever you got, whatever comes. Whatever to I got. Next big mm. thing to happen. Boy, all right. Next big thing to happen. I think J.J. Watt, to stick on that one, is going to be a Baltimore Raven. Oh, wow. That would be classic Ravens. They love to do that. They yeah, I think you're going to pick up every late career guy. Yeah, I think you're going to see him kind of just in a similar way. I think it makes sense in terms of their philosophy with how they do things in Baltimore, how they need more defensive help up front, how um, even their investment in Yannick Ngakwe, whom we all know so well. Mm. Um, I don't think that was really the game changer that the Vikings found out that everybody's looking for, so... Yeah, I think you'll see him land there. I am, though, curious just in a broader sense of the Deshaun Watson deal and how long that plays out and how, mm -hmm. how much of a ripple effect there's going to be. Because as you mentioned, whether it's Cousins to San Francisco and displacing Jimmy Garoppolo, um, what if it's um, Deshaun Watson to Miami displacing Tua? I mean, there's just going to be so many different kind of dominoes that fall. Um, I don't know. If I, I'm very curious to see how the Bears end up in this situation because the questions that you and I get to keep yes. jumping around are about how the NFL, how the NFC North quarterback situations are going to play out um, with this musical chairs. Well, we know now that the Detroit Lions are much worse at quarterback. We don't know where the Bears are going to end up, and if they can somehow get themselves in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes five years after they should have drafted them, um, that would be the Vikings' worst nightmare, and. Um, yeah, I'm fascinated to see if it happens. 
I think Gardner Minshew is a bear for sure. Like lock, does, lock, yeah. lock it in. It just screams like they're the team left out of the party. And they're like, mm, we really wanted Minshew all along. That was who our number <laughs> one target was. Um, so Andrew, great stuff. Uh, you do great work for the star tribune. It's always fun to get together with you and I appreciate your time, sir. This was good. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to talk to you. And I too, I have to agree. Gardner Minshew, Chicago. Bears. <laughs> Just write it down, man. <laughs>